Well, I can tell you that tomorrow is looking a lot more interesting than today, unless you are interested in Japan's inflation number. But that is just about the only news today. And over the last 24 hours, well, bond sales in the US, that was quite interesting. And more from the ECB. Can we lock in June for a cut? Well, it depends on the data. Or does it? Uh, we'll look at all of that. It's Tuesday, the 27th of February, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So bond yields are pushed higher in this session, a complete reversal from Friday, of course. So 10-year treasuries up three basis points to 4.28%. They were at 4.3% not long ago. Uh, German bunds up eight basis points and UK 10-year yields up 13 basis points to 4.16%. Aussie 10 years, well, they fell 10 basis points yesterday to 4.1%. Now on futures back up to 4.16%. So generally, the direction everywhere for yields is up. We've got a small drop in the US dollar. An even bigger drop in the Aussie dollar, which is down 0.3% this morning, 65.4 US cents, with a quarter percent lift in the euro. Uh, Not a good session for shares in the US. The Dow is down 0.1% at close, a 0.4% fall in the S&P, with the Nasdaq down 0.1%. But... The Russell 2000 rising 0.6%, quite a contrast, showing this broadening of of, of the spread uh, of shares benefiting from the rally. Uh, Energy stocks and consumer discretionary doing the best today. And in Europe, the Euro stocks 50 is down 0.2%, the FTSE 100 down 0.3%, but the DAX managing to just stay in the green at the close. And we talked about the optimism in Chinese equities yesterday morning. Well, that didn't last long. The CSI 300 fell 1% yesterday. And oil is higher this morning, 1.6% added to WTI, 1.3% more for Brent, close to 83 a barrel now, it's heading in that direction, still a long time since it was over 90 of course when we were wondering about $100 oil, Uh, but you know, never say never Uh, Ray Attrell today is with me from NAB in Sydney so let's look at the Aussie dollar first of all, that's a bit of a standout, feeling the hurt this morning, uh, even against a falling US dollar, so what's driving that? Yeah, morning Phil, um in short, I, th- I, th- I think if I'm looking for culprits, um, I'd look at the iron ore price. Um, now, that is, um, Rodrigo and I were joking yesterday, I said that, that correlations work when they're working and no more so than the relationship between um, the Aussie dollar and Australia's biggest commodity export. But, uh, um, and yet we've seen the iron ore price has really been sinking in the last few days. We've gone from $120, we were down to sort of $115 um, yesterday during our session, and we've lost another dollar or so overnight. And it does look like there's a little bit of a belated reaction as far as the Aussie dollar is concerned, which has been sort of stuck around that sort of 65 and a half level for most of last week. And, you know, during the day yesterday, and then we're down up to a couple of tenths of percent on that. Um, tempting to say that it also follows an earlier drop in the New Zealand dollar. Uh, but talking to our um, BNZ colleagues yesterday, when the Kiwi dollar was down about 0.4%, um, the main explanation there seems to be, you know, a bit of a a reversal of some of the the sort of speculative buying that we've seen in the last sort of week or so, um, you know, given the you know the speculation that the RBN said might uh, raise rates um, as early as, as tomorrow's meeting, which obviously you've done to death on the podcast in recent days. There does seem to be a little bit of a, a rethink there, or just some trimming of long positions. So I think Aussie and Kiwi both sit sort of firmly at the bottom of the G10 FX leaderboard overnight, but I'd suggest for for very different reasons. Yeah, just because we've done it to death, right? That doesn't mean. We can't talk about it even more. But uh, but let's not do that. Let's look at the US because early this morning, I mean, they are 
flogging you know treasuries like there's no tomorrow aren't they so they had a two two year auction uh this morning a uh, bit of a move up in yields from, from 4.365 percent last time to 4.691 percent so they are edging back up again aren't they they certainly are we've also had since then we've had a five-year auction so that's been a double whammy mm. of u.s treasury supply today so i think that's one of the reasons that uh you know we're seeing treasury yields higher both of those auctions incidentally cleared um you know a little bit above where the market was trading in the so-called when issued market so 4.691 for the two-year versus 4.689 the five-year at 4.32 versus 4.31 um, but we have seen yields sort of were already sort of moving higher into the auction and then they've moved higher out of the auction. Um, I've also just, um, you know, just before we started recording here, I've seen a, a headline flashing across Bloomberg saying that corporate bond issuance thus far in February has reached a record of 153 billion US dollars. So, um, Ken and Sky are really the resident bond experts rather than me, but I would suggest that you know the weight of corporate bond supply and the need to hedge some of that uh, supply, which which goes through the treasury market, might be a contributory factor factor as well. But uh, so the fact is, we've got on the day we've got um, we've got yields up what seven eight basis points. No, sorry, four to five basis points, pretty much across the curve. Um, Yep. So you know, and but the dollar not getting not getting much love out of that. But um, but if I look across the um, across to Europe, I see that uh, bond yields there are up even more. Yeah, well, I wonder why that is because Christine Lagarde she was speaking to EU lawmakers in Strasbourg overnight. But you know, she was sticking to the same script. She was saying they're encouraging signs, but she wants more evidence. The current disinflationary process is expected to continue, she said, but it will lead them sustainably to their two percent target. You know, meanwhile, the economy suffers. Uh, but as you say, yields are higher. Um, but for why? Because, uh, as I say, she didn't really say anything new. Not really, no. Although we'd also had um, the Bank of uh, Greece governor, Stornaras, I think we pronounced that correctly, don't we? Um, you know, he's playing to that ongoing sort of broader central bank pushback on uh, rate cuts. You know, if you go back just a few weeks, the market was, uh, was was positioning itself pretty well for a first cut in April. He said that there'd been substantial progress on inflation and the ECB will very likely be close to 2% in the autumn, but he'd prefer to wait until June to cut rates. Um, he said the ECB won't have concrete wage evidence until April, so let's wait until June, but not more. It's curious. So he's going to um, wait to see what it's. He's going to wait to see what it says in April, but whatever it does, whatever they're not going to go any we, later than gonna, June. Are we going to cut in June? <laughs> but uh, I also note that I was just catching up a bit away last week, but catching up on the news, I saw that the ECB put out a new indicator last Friday. It's a wage right. tracker that the ECB developed together with National. Ah, so Central when Christine Bank. Lagarde keeps on talking about encouraging science on wages it's this wage track that's right and um, again the the message there was that it only really goes up to the end of 2023 uh, but the message was that it's yet to show a clear sort of inflection point as far as wages growth is concerned so I think the narrative that we've seen so far this week is is certainly consistent with with that but um, but going back to the rise in in bond yields and then the euro actually is a little bit uh, is a little bit firmer it's one of the better performing currencies and we are seeing a further scaling back 
of market pricing for an April cut and even for June for that matter. So I was just checking prices at the moment. We've got about 6.6 basis points of cuts priced for the April meeting. That's in from about 8.4 at the end of last week. And as far as June is concerned, that's no longer 100% priced. It was 28 basis points or so at the end of last week. And that's closer to 24 basis points. So uh, obviously the market's still traveling with a high degree of confidence that uh, they're going to they're going to move in June, and those uh, those Greek central banker comments certainly play to that view. But notable that it's not absolutely one hundred percent priced right. at the moment. And uh, European bond yields, I think, have, have responded to that. So, as I said, four to five basis points across the curve for U.S. Treasuries, but. Mm. Um, if I look at eurozone bonds, it's more like seven to eight basis yeah, points. Bigger moves uh, for bonds in the UK, though. I mean, did I, did Hugh Pill talk last night? I've got him in the schedule, but I can't find anything about it. Certainly, we got Andrew Bailey uh, talking today, and we had the CBI Distributive Trades Index. This is their monthly retail sales balance. So it's a, a gauge of sales versus a year ago. It rose to minus seven from minus fifty in January. So it's the slowest fall in ten months. The slowdown is slowing. If you know that sounds a bit desperate, doesn't it? Really, sales are still going down. Then, yes, it's a strange one. It's a long time uh, ago that I used to forecast UK retail sales, and uh, I remember you know the CBI trade survey was a useful lead indicator, and the rule of thumb was that if that indicator went up. So it was less negative or more positive than the previous month. It tended to mean that year-on-year retail sales growth was higher than the previous month. And uh, I think I was just checking, it was up 0.7% year-on-year as far as the January retail sales numbers were concerned. So ostensibly, it's saying, you know, we might see a little bit of an improvement there. But um, um, I think that's um, probably drawing a a long bow to to make that that forecast with any degree of conviction. But you're right, it does suggest some sort of some sort of lessening if you like in the uh, in the downward pressure on retail sales but um i've seen nothing from the uh, from the uk central bank incidentally at, uh, as, as you mentioned so um uh, sterling really not doing a, not doing a hell of a lot i think there's more interest elsewhere just at the moment yeah uh, u.s home sales overnight i mean you know it was 661,000 sales against 680,000, uh but still up on 651,000, which was the december figure but you know we've had a high of 720 Last July, if you look at it, it's hard to find a trend because it's a bit up and down. I mean, you'd say it was perhaps coming down a little bit. But let's let's look at today. Uh, Japan's CPI. Now, listeners to the podcast yesterday will have heard Rodrigo saying that the CPI, the CPI number for Japan was was yesterday, which means Rodrigo was wrong. I thought he was infallible. Then I was really surprised to discover that Rodrigo had made a mistake. Uh, but I would have thought, who would have thought that? You were called out, weren't you? We before last, well, you were called out a couple of times, weren't you? Yeah. So, uh, so I just anyway, assumed you'd always uh, be right. We was wrong on this, but yeah. Uh, yeah so it is today. Uh, so, what are we expecting? And and you know, what does it mean for Australia as well? In which, in whatever the result mm-hmm. today. Well, I don't think it means uh, means that much down here, but it does mean a lot in terms of the debate about when the Bank of Japan might feel uh, comfortable in uh, reversing out its uh, negative interest rate policy and potentially tweaking or abandoning the YCC policy. Now, um, what did happen yesterday um, was we did have some corporate service price 
data. And that came out a fair bit weaker uh, than expected. It was about three tenths below the previous reading and it is expected to be unchanged. So um, I wonder whether that introduces a little bit of uh, a little bit of downside risk to today's uh, CPI numbers, which in any event were expected to show um, both the headline number and the ex-fresh food core measure, which is officially the Bank of Japan's target, both slipping uh, below 2% for the first time since I think March 2022. Although if you look at the um, ex-food and energy numbers, uh, that's expected to be down, but only to like 3.3 from 3.7. So there's clearly some sort of import price effects that are really um, you know, ac- accounting for the falls we're seeing in both the headline and the core numbers. So, um, you know, in that sense to say that, you know, we're slipping back into sort of sustained sub 2% inflation is, um, um, you know, as we've been saying consistently, we really need to see those um, Shunto and Ringo uh, wage rounds before the Bank of Japan can form any firm judgment on, on whether 2% inflation is sustainable. But, you know, if we do get numbers in line with expectations, or dare I say, risk of a downside surprise after those services inflation, then I think it very much um, plays to, to the view that we've had for some time that we think it will be more likely June, July than, than March, April before the Bank of Japan you know, might make that uh, that judgment. And, and unlike the ECB that's saying, we're waiting for the wage numbers, then we're going to cut in June. <laughs> I think that depending on those wages, the, the, the risk is that they say, no, we're not there yet and, and we're not going anywhere for the time being. Yeah, if ever. Yeah. How long can it go on for? All right, consumer confidence for Germany. Later on, we get US, US durable goods orders as well, their house price index. But really, uh, tomorrow is the biggie, isn't it? Aussie inflation and the RBNZ tomorrow. That's right. And I think the RBNZ probably has bigger influence on what happens to Australia in terms of pricing. And as, as you discussed yesterday, obviously that CPI indicator is very good centric and the RBA's focus is on services. So I don't think it's going to inform the RBA's view of inflation very much at all. But if the RBNZ were to surprise uh, with a rate uh, hike, I think that would have uh, feed-through effects that would that uh, potentially could see the market here uh, selling off as far as the rates are concerned. All right, very good. Good to talk to you again, Ray, and uh, we'll catch you again very soon. Thank you. Will do. Thanks, Phil. There we are. That's Nab's Ray Attrell. And for Nab, I'm Phil Dobby, back with another morning call tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. 